to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Tuesday, June 23rd. As you know, on Tuesdays, we always get to do our edition of Technique Tuesday with our friends at My Tennis HQ, but we're going to do today's podcast a little bit differently. Normally, we will bring on either Austin or Carew uh, for a separate interview beforehand. I will do a separate monologue on the biggest storylines going on in the tennis world. Of course, at the end, I'll do an outro as well, plugging all of the podcasts, plugging all of our Cracked Rackets content. Uh, but I have grown comfortable with our friends at My Tennis HQ, and so I don't want to just hear about their outstanding content, which of course I still do want to hear about, but I like to hear their thoughts on the issues going on right now in the tennis world. And so that is why, in, in you know, instead of doing the usual monologue, we decided we're just going to make it one fluid podcast today. So joining me, not only for another edition of Technique Tuesday, but to talk through the many storylines going on right now throughout the tennis world. You, of course, know him as a former standout on the UCLA men's tennis team, the current hitting partner for Naomi Osaka, and, of course, one of the co-founders of our friends at My Tennis HQ, Carousel. Welcome back to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me back. You know, just kind of same old, you know, just yeah. enjoying, enjoying all the drama right now. So, you know, can't complain. Yeah, no, last week was weird, and it was funny because on Wednesday you shot me a text, and I had thought it when I woke up. I was like, wait a second, it's Wednesday? I'm missing something. And so, yeah, (laughs) we took a week off last week, and it is nice to have you back, and I suppose it's only fitting that we have so much news to discuss. Exactly. I think it was kind of a perfect time to have a break. Yeah, exactly. Let things build up a little bit so that we can talk about them. And of course, you know, we have talked about these topics on our other podcasts as well. The big storylines over the past couple of weeks, uh, the ATP and the WTA releasing their tentative schedules for the return of professional tennis in 2020. Uh, For the ATP, I believe it's scheduled through the French Open, which will be about through that first week of October. The WTA released their entire plan for the rest of the year. It includes an Asian swing. It includes some indoor hardcore events. Of course, the year-end finals as well. So as of right now, <clears throat> excuse me, it, it appears like it's all systems go for professional tennis to make a return. Of course, things can change in a heartbeat. And I think that's something we have all learned throughout this global pandemic is how quickly facts, information becomes available, things change, the circumstances, you know, cases rise, cases falls in certain geographical areas. And, you know, we learned this weekend, you know, we have seen so many exhibition events being played. And I know I speak for tennis fans everywhere it's so great to see our favorite players back on the court Uh, but you know there was always the risk of by playing these events by putting yourself out there are we putting you know were players putting themselves at risk to potentially uh, you know contract the coronavirus and we had our first you know very public positive test this past weekend uh grigor dimitrov on sunday announcing via his instagram account that he tested positive for covid19 while taking part in the adria tour in serbia of course or i don't know if they were in croatia this past week but it's been you know in that uh in serbia and croatia thus far it's novak djokovic's exhibition tour it featured guys like borna chorich marin chilich alex virev you know dimitrov Team Djokovic, uh, the Deuce, of course, Dusan Lajovic, I believe Philip Krajinovic was playing as well. A lot of great players, and, you know, let's be frank, it was a spectacular event. We all enjoyed watching so many high-quality players back on court competing against one another. You know, there was initial skepticism across the globe. And I do want to say part of the reason I wanted to have you on to talk about these issues, Karu, as opposed to speaking to them myself, you know— 
they always say ignore what people are saying in your notifications and people are just ridiculous but this past yeah. weekend and i i blame who i was with it was a podcast with ben rothenberg and his followers have a particular vitriol for him and they said <laughs> i had a western imperialist mindset so i thought all right well let me bring in you know caruso who i guess brazil still western hemisphere but i don't know if you know brazil can ever be uh accused of having a Western imperialist mindset. We don't have to get into that right now. The point is I wanted to hear a second opinion. Um, You know, the news came out today uh, that, you know, players such as Borna Chorich, I believe uh, Victor Troisky, I believe Djokovic's trainer, his physio, uh, a couple of other people, you know, including Dimitrov around the tournament, have also tested positive for COVID-19, of course, for Chorich. He had played Dimitrov in that last match before Dimitrov pulled out of the event. So, you know, the implications there are pretty obvious. And the the criticism that came for the Adria Tour was how public the event was, that it was open to fans that, yes, you know, everything Novak Djokovic did followed Serbian government guidelines. And, you know, he didn't, you know, whether he pushed the government to allow things or not, I don't know the answer to that question. Yeah, but nothing he did. That's the question. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, no, and nothing he did was illegal. That's to be clear. Again, he was following all of the safety and health guidelines that was were in place. And, you know, we just hosted the Cracked Rackets Open in Indianapolis, and we did the same thing. And hopefully, you know, I haven't heard anything. All of us are feeling good right now. But we followed the safety and health guidelines. You know, it worked out for us. Now, the circumstances for him, you know, thousands. Thousands, or I don't know, thousands, certainly hundreds of people packed into a tight stadium on top of one another. The interactions with all of the fans out on the street, the public basketball game, the soccer game. You know, it's it's safe to say that most of the safety protocols, the regulations that have been in place elsewhere, were pretty, fair, uh, you know, pretty uh, well ignored by this Adria tour. And oh, so, yeah. as you mentioned, Novak Djokovic has come under. A lot of criticism today. I apologize for that monologue. Again, I usually get all of that out of the way before I bring you on so that you don't have to hear it. But that's just to set the scene for our listeners. Uh, I want to bring you in there. You know, you are no longer as active on tour as you once were. Is it safe to say you're no longer active on tour? I don't want to be disrespectful. No, Um, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. no, No longer active. Yeah, we'll I would say Maybe. you probably. Yeah, we'll exactly. See. You still we'll have see. your ATP card, so it's like I, if you want. I still, to I still have points, and I can still make a comeback. Yeah, um. exactly. So we'll, we'll <laughs> save that tangent. Yeah, we'll save that for a different time. Anyways, you know what is because at a certain point, and this is something I've talked about with Mark Lucero and Ben and others as well. It's you know we as a business. Tennis needs to be played if it wants to produce any revenue, if it wants to continue to exist, to compete amongst the global markets of sports capturing fans' attention. And that's just a financial reality that I think as tennis fans, you know, there is a line of thinking, and it's hard to disagree with it after this weekend. Why are we playing any events when this risk is out there? Is tennis a necessary thing that needs to be played right now if it's putting anyone at risk? And to those people who think that way, I can't fault you because that's fair. You know, the idea of, you know, tennis being second to safety and health across the globe, that's very fair. But I will also point to the fact that there have been countless other exhibitions who have followed safety and health protocols that are much more stringent than what the Adria Tour was doing, and there have not been any positive cases as a result of those exhibitions. And so I guess my question to you, 
being uh, someone who get you know the mindset of a player playing an event mm-hmm. like this the incentives behind it and i guess just the carelessness of it all what are, what is your reaction to the sequence of events and how it all transpired and you know obviously i'm not trying to put any blame on grigor dimitrov or any of the players who got oh, the no. virus who we hope no. safely you know healthily swiftly recover uh but what have you thought of the criticism leveled at djokovic that was a loaded question. Seven minutes to set up that. That, that was solid. Like I don't even know where you started, man. Like I was getting, you know, I'm jumping back in. And I believe I started uh, with Western imperialism. Oh, oh my God! Yes, you did. <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, I think, I think, I mean, it's hard to fault guys from wanting to play it, and it's hard to fault people from going to watch it. And again. Serbian rules and the government, all that stuff. Just it, you know, it, it, we don't really know what was going on there. Um, you know, what kind of relationship Djokovic has with the government? If he made a push for it, if, if there's any lobbying involved, whatever it is, uh, don't want to really get involved. But I think it it's just like it. It's safe to say that after being everyone being cooped up for so long, I think. I think all the players, I think just everyone in general got a little bit too excited, right? Like, oh, let's just get there and play soccer and 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 play basketball together and shake hands and ball boys and towels. And it's just kind of like, I, was, it, I mean, it was a recipe for disaster. You, you could just kind of see it unfo- unfolding because, you know, there was just on social media, you see like, you know, them shaking hands and, you know, there's all the stuff that I was just kind of scrolling through that I wasn't even looking for. I'm not going to lie. I did not watch it. I'm not going to say <laughs> I watched any of that. I didn't really have, really have any interest in watching it. But, um, you know, you just kind of follow, see who's winning, whatever, like just kind of quick glances. And it just seemed like a full-out event. And I'm like, what, what the US Open is trying to happen with no fans and your guys are making like a full like crowd there, um, having so- a full crowd to watch. I just, I just, I, I just think it was just carelessness by, uh, no, a lot of parties. And I get, I guess, as a player, I don't know how much they were getting paid to go there, but I'm, I'm sure it was good money. So, like, you do you say no? Uh, like, I'm probably, I, I'm healthy. I'll probably risk <laughs> COVID to make like a hundred grand in a week or whatever. I don't know how much they, they're getting paid, right? You would, mm-hmm. you would too. But mm-hmm. um, I just. I think from the start, Djokovic has. I'm gonna say. I'm just gonna straight out say, being god stupid about this, all this stuff. Like he, he just doesn't take it seriously. He. So he, so real quick before we get into the Djokovic part, because I do want to do yeah. that. I think uh, to to respond to something you said, and I'll keep it under eight minutes. I swear. Um, but you talked about the social media component. Uh, yeah. It's not just the fact that you see the photos of them playing basketball and yeah. soccer and even shaking hands or just embracing, hugging, arms around each other, social distancing being ignored. Yeah. It's the fact that in this modern day. If you have Novak Djokovic, Dominic Team, Grigor Dimitrov, Novak, uh, uh, who am I forgetting? Alex Zverev, and, and do you know all of these other professional players in Serbia in a nightclub, shirtless, doing some sort of yeah, limbo no, dance? That, that and you think just, in, I couldn't yeah, believe it. And you think in 2020 that's not going to become public? And you, Novak Djokovic, and sorry to speak to him directly, and just to be Novak Djokovic, the president of the ATP Player Council, which has had plenty of other issues throughout this time period, to put 
to put yourself in that position to be seen in that light during this time period, it just it insensitive doesn't even begin to describe it. It's just unacceptable. Yeah. And that's yeah, the problem. A, that and, was unacceptable. I, when I saw that, I was like, wait, I, are you guys actually for real? Like, you know, just letting that happen. It's like, yeah, I, I couldn't really believe in that. No, it, and that's a big part of it. The fact that that video is out there. Even the crowds were concerning, of course, but that's just a blatant disregard. And yeah. that that component has to be added to it. That video's existence itself is so, you know, just damning for this entire process. And, you know, again, someone else, I, I'm reading too deep into my notifications, but you want to say the circumstances in Serbia are significantly different in terms of the case count they're dealing with in comparison to America. And someone else pointed out, for any American to speak to the situation anywhere uh, when any, you know, compared to our country comparatively elsewhere, the numbers are not, you know, uh, they just aren't good. Like, okay, you're right. You got me. I'll speak to my situation. I have been social distancing. I have been following the proper guidelines. I have been ensuring to minimize my risk and also minimizing the risk I'm putting others at by following and doing my best to wear a face mask and do those sorts of things. And, that's just that you know again sure you want to say it's a personal decision that's fine it was the blatant disregard it was just so yeah. you know we we just held the crack rackets open and we made you know we tr- we did everything in our power you know whether it's emphasizing hey even the little things like if someone's ball from another court rolls to you please 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 make sure you're using your racket to <clears throat> scoop it back to them and you're not picking it up and throwing it to them just little things yeah, like absolutely. that because every little thing matters and it's just they didn't take any of the little things into account and that's no, where the criticism comes from today yeah i mean i get i get i get it like have a have an event but just i mean be just uh, we're trying to get the tennis season back and so just it, you know let's let's be helpful you know what i mean he's the what he's the president or i don't know I mean, president of, of the, the player council of the player council but he's just like blatantly just thinking about himself like about the s open it's the you know, oh, I can't travel without my team, whatever, all this stuff. And so it's just all about him right now. Um, and so I, I don't know, man. Like, it, it's just – it's a weird thing to, to talk about. But, like, I just – the disrespect was kind of, like, what, where he got me. It wasn't – again, we're all tired, you know what I mean? We're all just over it. Like, I, I'm going to, to to the pier here in Hermosa that is open to grab beers, you know, every couple of days with my friends. But it's still, like, a small group group separated from people all the stuff we're wearing masks um do you want to be wearing masks at a bar no not really but you know it is what it is so or a restaurant not bar bar is not really open but um so it's just one of those things like it is super um disrespectful to everyone and especially all the players that are struggling financially right now like he didn't invite um um, I don't know, Mitchell Kruger to go play in his tournament. You know what I mean? A guy who actually needs money right now. Mm-hmm. He invited all the guys that like, you well, know, already have money. So to his credit, there were a couple of other players throughout the draw and their names are escaping me, but that speaks to the fact that they are not top oh, 100 were, faces yeah, that were all, yeah, yeah there, there were a, a couple, couple of littered them, but, but no, I agree to your larger point. And you know, this is another thing I heard is Novak Djokovic has done so much good for so many causes across the globe throughout his career with the resources yeah. he's, you know, with the success he's used his platform and that's fair. I agree with that. But this is a, you know, all of that can be true. 
and then the handling of this, and it's a pattern of things, right? It was the yeah. early vaccination talk. It was, and I think Ben Rothenberg listed all of them out today in a tweet. There are, you know, five little separate things you can point to, and it's just, it's the pattern of it all. And yeah. that's why, again, you are the, not only are you the player counselor president, not only are you the number one player in the world, not only are you ambassador, not just to sport, but you are an ambassador around the globe. You are, you transcend tennis, your presence. And it's just, yeah. it's so disappointing as well. And you made a point talking about, and you know, so I, you started talking about the criticism of him directly, but you also made a point, you know, all of this in the midst of the U, the ATP, the WTA trying to restart events. The fact that they moved the Western and Southern Open to Cincinnati to try and create this sort of three-week bubble to yeah. you know minimize the risk for players and the fact that they canceled qualities again at the they cancel an event at the expense of the lower ranked players exactly. not to accommodate the top players because that's not fair because the money made by the u.s open is the reason why the u.s open can afford to send ten thousand dollar checks to all of these players who would have otherwise played qualities and i've made this point in other podcasts i do think it's a net victory for tennis that the u.s open be played um, but just the incense I, I, I keep using that word it's just I, I understand why Novak is taking the criticism he has today. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I just think it's kind of ridiculous that he wouldn't take the, mm-hmm. like he hasn't said anything so far. So it's like, I mean, I don't, I, honestly, like I don't want to get too worked up about it because, you know what I mean? It's just one of those things like, what am I going to do? And I'm I'm not really playing. So like, I don't want to like be all the Mr. Outrage here. Um, but there is, I mean, again, we, uh, we're trying to get the season back and, you know, it, it affects somewhat my job. Uh, if we don't have tournaments and things like that, it's like, you know what I mean? So, you know, everyone is being affected, but as a guy who, you know, still relates to guys in, you know, in their 300s, 400s, 200s, um, it's just, it, it's again, like that, that thing of, you know, there's a few guys that just kind of control everything and, we just have to, you know, go go by their rules. And I'm just like, well, that's kind of BS. Yeah, this will be my last point on it because I think you nailed it. This is not just jump on the bash Novak Djokovic train. This yeah. is the fact that we want tennis to return in 2024 pros on all levels. And even the ITF announced the resumption of its calendar. I noticed the Decatur, Illinois uh, future because no matter what, there will be a future played in Decatur each and every no year. No matter what, man. It. Yeah, Dude. even in a yeah nuclear war, it doesn't matter. No they, they matter play what. In the future indicator. Yeah, those Crazy. they play it. Yeah, exactly. And you know this sort of thing because of the carelessness puts everything at risk. The concern of a Grigor testing positive and then so many other people involved in the event testing positive as well, it just heightens the concern. It's like, well, that happened there. It could happen at the U.S. Open. Should we be doing it? And just yeah. And after, you know, um, I would say a solid six weeks of executing exhibitions fairly flawlessly from a safety and health perspective, uh, this just, again, it sacrifices all of that work. And that's why it's so disappointing because, as you mentioned, the number one player in the world should not be spearheading something that goes this disastrous. Exactly. I mean, and I mean, again, hasn't said anything so far, all that stuff. So it's just like, I mean, it's tough. It, it, it's a pretty crazy situation um but it was kind of funny because you can you could kind of see it unfold it's like yeah this is not gonna end well like like why is everyone thinking this is gonna end well it's just not gonna end well and Mm -hmm. obviously it didn't it was just kind of really simple that it didn't Mm -hmm. 
Um, all right, with that in mind, uh, I want to quickly get one more news item uh, opinion from you, and then we'll get to Technique Tuesday, I promise. But Sounds good. U.S. Open playing. Uh, again, they remove qualities to facilitate playing the Western and Southern Open there. That's part of trying to get the extended quarantine to create this bubble to protect as many of the players participating in both events as possible. Your thoughts on the USTA's execution of this U.S. Open rollout. Your thoughts on, you know, pro tennis returning, them trying to play these events under these circumstances. And a lot can change in the next two months, but your thoughts on where things stand right now? Um, I mean, it, the thing is everything can change so quickly, right? So I I, I think it's – I talked to some of the guys, and, and it, it, is it ideal? Not really. Um, you know, because, again, a guy who's playing qualities, you know, goes there makes – more money and if he wins a round or two makes twice or three times the money um i do think there's a little bit of like um it's bad to say but like you know there's a lot of outrage from players that i hate when people comment like oh you're not good enough you shouldn't say anything blah 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 blah. i i go through some of the, the the responses of some some of the some of the players um but at the same time you know the show is driven by like a a handful of players like you can't necessarily say like oh the prize money it's been going up so much because you know some dude had a third round run from you know qualifying a few years ago It, it just doesn't happen it's nice it's a good cinderella story sometimes but ultimately you just kind of like it still is just the guys who win it and those are the guys who are driving the money. Um, so in, in the spirit of that, it's like, let's hold, at least hold the tournament. Um, so the USDA is not in a huge hole. Again, I feel like they should have some money saved making, I don't know how much money they make every year in that tournament tournament. I don't understand how no one in a, in a business that big said, Hey, okay, maybe we should set aside like 10% a year in case something happens one day. Um, or whatever, one percent. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So that, I just find that a little bit weird because um, you know they're already cutting jobs and all that stuff. But I think you know we just kind of you know how the NBA is doing, and MLB, NFL. I'm sure going to do it. We tennis needs to something needs to happen. It needs to get back into people's eyes. Uh, I think people need to. Um, I what I'm about to say. I don't know. Uh, I was thinking a couple of days ago. I was thinking just like kind of popped in my head that I was like, I don't think what this pandemic showed me is that um, tennis, we love tennis, like obviously, right? Like we, we watched, we played, um, the fans that watch tennis and play tennis, we love tennis. But the world without tennis, like didn't, wasn't going to be that big of, it's not that big of a deal compared to like, the NFL or NBA or, or European football, obviously, um, it, th- those things like matter much more, I think, for, for most people because they kind of feel that sense of community and, and you know, my Sunday game that you're going to watch with your friends and have beers and whatnot. And tennis doesn't really have that. So, you know, I think the longer we stayed, we stay outside of people's eyeballs, um, the worse it is for the product. So we, I just think we just need to find safe and good ways to bring it back. Yeah. No, I think uh, you hit it spot on. And I've been, you know, I said this earlier, 
we have shown that you can conduct tennis exhibition events right now in a safe and health, you know, following safety and health guidelines in a safe manner for all of the participants involved. Now, to do any event to the scale of the U.S. Open was going to require sacrifices. And I apologize because yeah. I'm repeating points, but, you know, I, 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 points I've made on other podcasts. But, yeah, I think you nailed it. There was always going to have to be compromise. And, again— Tennis yeah. has to return if it wants to compete. It shouldn't return if it can't be conducted safely, healthily. Uh, but it looked like they were in a position to do just that. And to throw yeah. this storyline, you know, to throw all of these circumstances on top of uh, already the uncertainty facing the professional event, you know, I suppose, again, everyone's so happy for sanctioned events to return. The fact that the City Open is playing the week before, the fact that they're playing an event in Palermo two weeks before, it's like, well, isn't the whole idea to get everyone to New York immediately? Yeah, and I'm, like, I'm so confused about that. I, I just don't really understand the the whole like Palermo and and all the stuff and what is happening. Like, I'm just I don't really get it. Yeah, no, and. Again, that points to tennis is tennis, right? There are always going to be yeah. some structural flaws, and it's hard to coordinate because there are so many competing interests. I love the City Open. If it was 2020 under normal circumstances, hopefully I would be heading to D.C. for the City Open. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if I want to see the City Open in 2021, they probably have to make some money this year. They probably have to run the event. And, again, yeah. if they're doing it in a safe and health – in a way that they're preserving the safe and health of the play, safety and health of the players, can I knock them for that? No. But the whole concept that was sold and why we're discontinuing the qualities, why we're – you know, the compromises we're making for the U.S. Open was under the premise of trying to make it safe for all of the players. And it's just like – you know, they're just like – to all of that yeah yeah I, i'm it's a it's a confusing thing that's for sure because I, I i thought it's like okay let's have the maybe cincinnati there and it just kind of makes more sense but now it's just like well there's a lot going on like yeah. how are you going to travel from all these places and i don't know i don't know again i'm glad i'm not the one making these decisions to be honest <laughs> Yeah, and it, it's very easy to criticize the decision makers from the outside. It, I, yeah. I, that's why we keep stressing, and I've said this repeatedly through the podcast. I credit the USTA. I credit the ATP and WTA tours. I credit people like Mark Ein, who runs the City Open, for trying to get events going again, for keeping all of these uh, – other factors in mind as they do that uh but there are other realities as well and it's just you know it's our job in the tennis media to point out the hypocrisies to try and ensure they get corrected so that the product is better moving forward anyways we don't need to get into media philosophy uh yeah, yeah. i you know that's really the uh the, those are the current events going on there's a lot uh, in the professional tennis world so we wanted to talk about that before we got into today's technique tuesday uh, of course the reason we are able to have any of these great conversations here on the mini break day in day out is because of the support that we get from our friends at Midwest Sports and tennis fans, people like Carew, know all about Midwest Sports because for more than 20 years, they've served as one of the world's premier tennis equipment suppliers by offering a comprehensive selection of fast shipping tennis supplies that few retailers can match. They also have one of the largest in-stock inventories of tennis equipment online with tens of thousands of products available for shipping directly from their automated warehouse to your front door. They value innovation and a 
have personally tailored their products to highlight your skills on the court. And, you know, maybe you haven't been turning to My Tennis HQ as frequently as you should be. And you should be because you're going to get all the advice you need. You're, they are even doing racket reviews, all sorts of fun things at My oh, Tennis yeah. HQ. But maybe you've learned a bunch of new skills. You want to put them to the test. You're still not quite sure what sort of equipment you should be using. The good news is the experts at Midwest Sports are intimately familiar with all tennis equipment and can help you find that perfect racket, perfect shoe, or perfect tennis clothing that is sure to put you ahead of the competition. Their selections of tennis equipment are consistently first to market, and they pride themselves in stocking their tennis warehouse with the newest products at the lowest prices. You can find all of these products, all of these prices, by going to their website, MidwestSports.com. Of course, all of us are looking forward to hopefully making our returns to the tennis court. I'm curious, Carew, how frequently are you restringing rackets? Are you updating your frames and, you know, getting new kicks? Um, I don't break a lot of strings in general. Um, so I actually don't restring my rackets very often now. Um, it, when I was, you know, competing, competing, I obviously I would, you know, string rackets for every match and all that stuff. Um, now, Dude, I'm not going to lie. I'm probably stringing like a couple rackets every three weeks or so. Um, <laughs> well, for the record, what's amazing is you say a couple rackets every three weeks. For most yeah. of the world, that would still be an extraordinary amount. Oh, yes, yes. But it's just like because I, I string my rackets fairly tight. So um, the loss of, of tension is not that dramatic over the you know the weeks. Um, so it, it's really like I can manage – as I'm just hitting, I can manage that the the lo- lower tension. If I was stringing in the high 40s, low 50s, I feel like that would be a little worse. Um, frames, I I haven't really updated uh, in a while. I I got my speeds a couple uh, probably what was it like beginning of 2019, and uh, they're customized. I, and I I don't really have that I don't really have that connection anymore to to get more customized rackets. Um, so I'm just treat, treating them very nicely. Um, but I'm always kind of <laughs> testing new rackets. I love like just kind of getting a feel for new rackets. Uh, in no, shoes, I, in shoes, I'm just getting a bunch of stuff from Nike now because because it's a bonus from my job. So I have <laughs> legitimately a stupid amount of shoes. Like I, I half of them are don't like it's kind of crazy. So. Well, um, just a couple of responses to that. A, for anyone who's hit the skip 30 seconds ahead during that ad, what a great story they just missed. B, um, yeah, of course you've got the Nike kicks. That doesn't surprise me in the, you know, in the slightest. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and then, again, I could see you rocking an end code still on the court and just being happy with it and just being like, yeah, oh, yeah. it's 2007 again. I want to but- find, I I find an old um- – the the Yonix I used to play with the yellow one the the one in Albania I used to play yeah I want to find one of those it's like whatever it was RDS or something I I have no idea but I love that racket I just wanted to have one just have to just have <laughs> so I might eventually get it but yeah we're um like yeah testing way more rackets uh you know in the near future we'll, we'll yeah. get to that. No, well, the good news is, are you talking about the not the Osaka edition, not the Osaka E Zone? You're talking pre that Yonex wise. Oh, oh, no, no, I'm talking about like 2007 Albania. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I but like the, that. Yon- the yellow Yonex, the classic yellow Yonex yeah. that um, you know I used to play with when I was yeah, like 16, no. 17. 
Yeah, no, well, I love so. that. Well, I I can't promise you're going to be able to find that, but I can promise if you are looking for the latest frames, you're looking for all of the options out there, go to MidwestSports.com. While you're there, use our promo code CR15. Not only will you get 15% off, you'll get free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. And best of all, to ensure you have everything you need to make your return to the court a success, you're also going to get a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls. Again, go to MidwestSports.com, use that promo code. Code CR15. Get 15% off your order. Let them know that we sent you there. We are so grateful for the support we get from our friends at Midwest Sports. The least we can do is ask you to support them as well. MidwestSports.com. The promo code is CR15. All right. With that being said, crew, the reason we like to have you on each week is to do our edition of Technique Tuesday, our way to connect with the listeners, tell them, you know, give them some advice as they try to make strides in their own games and also again to show off the incredible content going on right now at mytennishq.com again you guys are full-fledged going into videos right now you know week after week so much great content uh how's everything going over at my tennis hq headquarters my tennis hq hq i like my tennis hq it's been good man it's it's gotten a little bit busy just because you know austin's moving to texas and so it's been kind of like a hectic few weeks that we actually didn't have too much time to write as much as we wanted to but um we had a weekend where we shot like four different videos so i've been working on that for you know the past couple weeks uh, just so we have like a nice schedule of, of videos uh but it's been really nice we, we're just kind of like getting the traction i think the youtube is starting to look like a little more professional and and streamlined um which is really cool um and just in general, it's just been a good process. I, I love the video stuff too, so it kind of it kind of uh, I took over a little bit. I said like, look, I I just want to really focus on that. And uh, so, but it's been it's been really nice. I'm I'm going to Dallas in a couple of weeks to visit Guy, which is like the the guy who you know I started with, and we're gonna shoot he a bunch of content. Oh, come yeah, on, I know. Yeah, so we're we're gonna shoot a bunch of content in a couple of weeks. Um, so that will be fun. Uh, so we're excited for that. So it's, it's been good. It's been good. Again, with, with uh, our schedules now, I'm back full time in Naomi, and you know, obviously Dave, Austin, and and Gee work as well. So we're just <laughs> been cramming things in, but it's been fun. Yeah, no, I'm glad to hear it. And again, you know, I read your article five reasons why tennis is good for you. Uh, I could give you thirteen. No, I, I think I wonder how many I could do off the top of my head. You could um, probably do way more than I could. To be empowering, unintentionally comedic. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're guaranteed to be good looking. Um, yeah, you know, I could go on and on and on. Uh, the frustration, watching Andy Murray yell at himself will absolutely allow you to laugh, you know, significantly over the course of an hour and a half. There's a lot of things you could go into on and on and on. Um, but yeah, a great article, but that is not the reason we have you here today. The, the article or the video, I should say, we want to talk to you about is again, as you mentioned, a video that is your way to, uh, just try and show listeners or try and show viewers, people who follow your content, uh, just little things they can do to improve their ground strokes and in particular you talk about the ground and pound technique you talk about you know improving your base that heel to toe step uh tell mm-hmm. our listeners again a, a little bit about uh the video a little bit about why this was the specific topic you went with uh i just it, it was kind of it kind of happened very organically where you know moose who you know if you guys watch the video Mooshag, he played a, a pepperdine you know very solid player um 
he, you know, kind of works with some kids that, you know, we have our, you know, our teenagers play each other and all that stuff uh, here in LA. So we're just kind of talking tennis one of these days, like as we were watching the kids play and he pointed that out and, and he's like, look how he steps with his, with his toe first and on his heel. And I was like, wait a second. Well, that's, that's so true. Why is he doing that? And then he just kind of explained, he kind of does martial arts and all this stuff. And he, kind of, he was kind of explaining all these things um, about how important it is to, you know, to step heel to toe, especially when, you know, you can't do it every time, but when you can, um, you know, you just engage more of the right uh, parts of your body. Uh, and that's very, you know, ex- well explained in the video by him. Um, and I was just, and then when I hit, when I hit, I think the, the next day, I was like, just paying attention to it. And I was like, oh my God, this makes so much sense, right? Like, you know, your nice heel to toe step um, is going to make me, you know, kind of push off the leg much easier. Um, it's not in every shot, but wide shots and, you know, shots that you go into the court uh, makes your base much more stable. And I was just like, man, we got to make a video about this because uh, it's just so simple, but I don't think people are thinking about it. So that's just kind of how it came about. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Again, I had this, I, I think I was doing a um, an advertisement for one of our other sponsors, Aerobar, and I was just, you know, kind of making light of it, but I think it rings really true, uh, especially as you get older. And I'm not old, let's be clear, 24, body yeah. still works pretty well. Hips aren't quite once, what they once were, but I make up with, for it with a better knowledge of how my body works. Um, anyways, um, you know, the one thing that makes tennis, I've learned, the most miserable experience in the game is when you're playing and you're on the court and whatever the circumstances may be and the footwork's just not there. Your feet aren't moving. You feel a step slow. You feel sluggish. It doesn't matter how well you're making contact with the ball if you can't get there to make contact with it. And so, you know, I think one of the things I always think about is, you know, little steps and it's not the big strides. It's the nuances of footwork, right, that make someone a good mover. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I guess you know to that aspect, I, how you know how many little things are are there for I, players to I work on? I think actually, I I think personally, there there are you know small steps and and all that stuff. But I think for a long time, people emphasized these small steps too much, and I think a lot of people um, use too many steps sometimes and get nowhere. You know what I mean? I actually think. As uh, as I watch tennis more closely, like the the not bigger like long steps, but you know, good strides actually take you you know easier and further um, than like those little steps that you're just like you know the, your foot's hitting the ground and making all this sound, and but you're not really like in great position in a lot of those times. And I see that in a lot of juniors, like they're they're intense, but they're not doing the right thing. They're, they're not, you know, probably split stepping and recovering. And you see it, it, it's that sur- sort of flow. I mean, you see it a lot with Fed. Yes, he he adjusts his feet are quick, but it, it's almost like always the same amount of steps. It's like he knows exactly how many steps he's going to give to each ball every single time. And that last step, it can just be like a little step. It needs to be a step where your legs are, are actually opening up and, you know, spreading apart a little bit more. Um, so you have a nicer, like wider base. Um, 
that last step is really important, like on, especially on the wider shots. If you guys, again, go watch the video, the wider shots and the shots that you're stepping into the court. Because if you just kind of go toe first, you're just your body is, is just not fully like you're not really sitting on your hips. If you go like heel and toe, you're going to load your leg. Your hips are going to be like nice and and uh, kind of like strong. Um, and then you can actually create the rotation with your hips and, and your legs and all that stuff. Um, it sounds really technical. I'm sure in, 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 in a podcast, you're going to be like, what the, what the hell is this guy talking about? But if you go watch it, it you're going to be like, oh, that makes sense. Uh, same thing with slices. You see, a, you see a picture of Fed on a running slice where he's not hitting the ball yet, where his feet is like barely touched the ground. He's going to be stepping with his heel first and then the, you know, then the toe because that's going to create a nice base. It's also going to slow him down more smoothly instead of just like jamming your, your foot onto the ground, you know? So that kind of smoothness of stepping with heel and toe um it really helps it really really helps it's something like if you actually go on the court and think about that you're gonna be like whoa that's that that's super helpful mm -hmm. and when you're in the you know gym doing off-court work on your fitness on your routine or at least when you were back in the day uh how much of it as opposed to you know the generic weightlifting how much is it footwork specific exercises you're doing um i did i mean we did a lot i i want to say especially i you know i'm thankful that growing up um i had the people that were around me like we did a lot of footwork stuff you know just footwork circuits you know it can be ladders it can be jumping it can be you know just kind of side to side and learning how to like you know just does tennis kind of flows at a rhythm so it, we did a lot of a lot of that stuff in brazil when i was at home and i I didn't really think much of it, but uh, again, I guess I was always like fairly coordinated and and a decent athlete in that sense. So I didn't really think too much about it. But when I see kids struggling with this, I'm like, man, what? I, you guys are not getting taught this in, in like because I'm not with this kid since I was in, since they were ten. Now, you know, you pick up a kid who's 16 years old. You're working for a couple months and it's like wait you've never done this you you never done this sort of drill like maybe it's like just a side to side on the core or whatever no like i never used this muscle i'm like what so it just like drives me crazy because it's like some again like the tennis is like we complicate it so much it should be basic it should be, i mean the, the, the more more simple we can keep it the simpler we can keep it the the better the easiest it's going to be so in that in this in the sense i was just like man like and at UCLA, we did a lot of this, a lot of good stuff. Um, you know, in terms of again, tennis is short bursts and short lateral movements and and change of directions. Um, you know, it's accelerating and breaking, accelerating and breaking, accelerating and breaking all the time. So making sure um, you you are coordinated enough to do those kind of things um, really helps. And and I just I just think more people need to emphasize that in their training than actually oh like i need to you know create again leg with my forehand i'm a 50 year old dude playing a club for and i learned how to play three years ago and i'm trying to have lag on my forehand I'm like no no you're not you shouldn't have lag on your forehand like that leave that for people who are playing for 20 years make sure your footwork is okay it's gonna be much easier to play tennis 
Mm -hmm. No, 100%. And I know we've had a version of this conversation before. Yeah. When you're working with uh, your players and, you know, for those who maybe aren't, you know, college pro level players who understand how to work on this stuff, are you someone who believes in, you know, drop and hitting, you know, feeding balls, working on a ball machine? Or are you someone who believes in live action, you know, live hitting, you know, whether it's hitting drills or playing points to work on these sort of footwork? You know, the, I think, the I think I will, well, if, if you're new to it, um, definitely drop feeding and, and even no ball. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it's an easy, it, it's the easier way to do it. Um, I believe in both. I think, you know, for every hour that you do drop feeding or just feeding in general, you should be you have another hour of, you know, playing sets or playing points or just in general playing. Um so I think that there's a good balance. I do a lot um, of feeding and drop feeding or just like, you know, three ball drills where not drills, but like, you know, I'll feed a ball, hit a ball and the guy, will, the kid will put away or something like that. I do a lot of that stuff um, just to create some patterns. But in this sense, drop feeding is great. Drop feeding, um, you know, to, to work on that heel and toe uh, movement. Because again, there's a, there's a misconception where, um, especially I see it here in America a lot that a good practice session means that you're tired. Like that, 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 that is not a thing. Like you don't have to necessarily be like going side to side for two hours and feel tired to be like, Oh, that was a good session. But did you actually improve? Like you can sometimes be like, Hey, I'm going to take one hour to figure this thing out. Um, and we're just gonna, you know, just what with your coach or even by yourself, I'm just gonna figure this out. It's like you again, if you go watch the video, you're gonna be, you're gonna see exactly what we're talking about, like the step. Um, and you know, at first you're gonna see the difference, and you have to find the spots on the court that you don't do it. There's probably most spots that you do, but there's some spots on the court I'm sure you don't do it. And again, I I don't do it myself. I catch myself. Uh, sometimes going toe first in some shots, I'm like, nope, that that, that really didn't help me. Um, so, you know, it's just again uh, slow, slow movements. You don't have to like come on the court and just make sure um, and make sure you you're going to be perfect. Think you're going to be perfect. You just have to kind of go and, and slowly progress. And if you can, you know, get better one percent at it, it, it was a good session. So don't again just being getting tired doesn't mean it was a good session. But, slowly build up to things no i i completely agree with you there i imagine for you guys especially as you get better and better it's going to be the little things you need to work on even if it's an hour of ironing out approach shots like you're going to work on it for an hour because that's the thing you're missing to get that transition to the net um you know for you it's just some fun things about this video um a when austin keeps missing in the net how much fun are you having oh i'm having a great time i'm having a great time (laughs) <laughs> um, I, I I left that there just because so people would see it. it's like look even a guy like Austin was like not you know he was kind of struggling in the in the beginning with that um, so I, I left it I didn't cut any of it out because I was like no no, no that's just you know Moosh had, had to explain to him like no you're kind of doing this this wrong or 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 that because again it's hard for us to to just go out and do something we we never we were in the even aware of uh, sometimes. Um, so when we came up with the drills there to, to work on it, I was like, 
I was watching, I was like filming behind it. I was like, wait, I'm not doing this right. <laughs> but I didn't want to say anything. Um, but then Moosh said it. I was like, oh, perfect. We're going to have this on video because then Moosh like went out and explained it. I was like, there you go. That's what that's what we needed. You know, because, again, again, I think there there's also a misconception that you think like just because we're teaching um, certain things or just because uh, we played at a certain level that we do everything perfect. No, we 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 just kind of figure it out on the court. No, no, no player does everything perfect besides fat. Um, so you just kind of have to figure, you know, figure it out. Like in those things that are not, not, not natural, especially in footwork people, those people aren't that natural, um, naturally coordinated with their, with their lower bodies. So it, it is a hard thing to do. Um, but I think it's, it was pretty well explained by Moosh, you know, the reasons why we're doing it as well is again, we're not coming up with like BS. It's like, here, there's a reason why uh, we're showing you this. And uh, I thought it was actually, it turned out uh, to be a better video than I expected, to be honest. Like at first I was like, I don't know if like people are really going to get what we're trying to say here, but like it, it came out pretty good. Yeah, no, I think it's really well done. I have just a couple of follow-ups. You talk about, again, the importance of the lower body in tennis. How yeah. much of a tennis player's fitness session should be spent, you know, stressing that lower body, stressing the core work as well? Because uh, I consider core part of the lower body as well. Yeah, Two things yeah, I, you don't love to do, but you have to. I mean, I think, again, I don't, uh, I don't want to give you specific times on how much you have to work on it, but sure. I think – you need to spend, you know, as much time as you're, you know, let's say you're working on your forehand uh, swing, you know, oh, my take back isn't great, whatever it is. If you're spending 30, 40 minutes with your coach on that, try to spend another 30, 40 minutes with your with your footwork. Maybe your footwork is great. Maybe your base is good. Maybe those kind of decisions are already, already more natural for you. But maybe film yourself and be like, Hey, am I doing this correctly? How, you know, how wide is my base? Am I picking the right base? Am I going close stance, open stance on the right shots, all those kind of things. Cause they make a big difference. Um, and again, I've, it's not about like athleticism at this time. Like obviously someone who has in a lower level, um, in the low, in just lower level tennis, they're going to be like, well, wait, I don't even know how to, you know, bring my racket back so you know this video is not necessarily for you but for someone who you know knows how to play knows how to compete compete already um you're playing at a level where um the ball might not be coming back to you as fast so you might have actually the time to okay i'm actually gonna can properly set my feet here um on you know even already juniors at 16 17 they're hitting the ball so hard like a lot of the times i'm like they, they just have to manage it they just have to put the ball back on the court um, but you know, in, at a certain level, like that, the, the game is a little bit slower. You still kind of have that, that time to be like, okay, I'm going to pick the close stand, step nicely, like have a nice base, um, and then go heel and toe. So I can actually create a, create a solid, uh, load on my leg. So, um, it's a, it's, you gotta, you gotta spend time. I think, I mean, again, tennis is just, just one of those sports that the, the progress is so slow, but you just have to spend the time. Yeah, no, absolutely. Now, you know, last couple, again, couple of questions for you before we wrap. Um, did you bring in Moosh? Did you bring in Austin because you're self-conscious about your lower body and you knew how featured they would be in this video? I just didn't want, I mean, I think if we brought me in it and the people saw my legs and, and glutes, I think they, I mean, <laughs> it, I think we would have, 
we would have had uh, problems with YouTube policy. So, <laughs> so I just had to leave it for those guys. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, no problem. Yeah, yeah, I'm really I, glad I, you brought up the glutes. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's good. No, that's really funny. No, but again, for all of our listeners, the article which you can find on the My Tennis HQ YouTube account uh, called "How to Hit Better Ground Strokes in Tennis: Improve Your Based Heel to Toe Step." Uh, it's a fantastic video and very instructional. And so, hopefully, all of you listeners are following along with the My Tennis HQ content. Uh, you sort of previewed it there. You guys have a bunch more videos on the way. Yes, we do. We're actually going to, um, I mean, a lot, we just posted today a, a new instructional one about, you know, a beginner guide, how to hit a volley uh, with Austin. Um, we are going to do a lot more record reviews now. I think we, um, I think we just kind of saw a little bit of a, there's not a lot out there, um, you know, people properly reviewing records um, or, you know, I, I just, I guess someone that you really trust to you know like if i'm watching someone i i, I had this conversation actually i, I was on the, the functional tennis podcast yesterday i had this conversation with him i was like um and he he actually mentioned fabio mentioned he was like like we i can go out and review cars right like would you watch me reviewing cars like no i'm not a driver i'm not a, you know i don't have any experience with that um but i think a lot of the stuff that people you know reviewing rackets is people that I'm like, wait a second, but like, can you really feel everything that you should be feeling about this racket? Um, and I love, I love hitting with different rackets. So I, I think we're going to have a good amount of, uh, you know, racket reviews and just comparisons, things like that. I think a lot of people have questions on, on, you know, different, different types of rackets for different types of players. So I think that that will be, um, you know, if you guys are interested in that, um, I think, we're going to have a lot of that coming up plus the instructional stuff. I think that's, that's going to be a lot of uh, our focus now. So, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be fun. I don't know what's coming. There's something coming up on Thursday. Um, I'm going to say, I know it, but it's going to be a surprise. So go check it out on Thursday. I don't really know it, um, but he, he is working on it. He's working with, uh, you know, racket weights and all that kind of stuff. I think those are, again, tennis can be, the rackets, I mean, it's your tool, right? And and a lot of people, um, you know, they'll just pick a racket and play with it. Oh, this feels good, whatever. But it might not be really helping them as it's not the right tool for, you know, their job at the time. So um, those are kind of things that we want to focus on too, just providing that information so you guys pick the right tools for, for you know, give yourself a better chance. Rackets don't win matches, by the way, but um, – you know they they can they can help you at least feel better on the court. No, no denying that as well. And I mentioned uh, Midwest Sports earlier. Again, we're so uh, happy for their support. I feel like there's a podcast with me, you, and their product manager, Dave Limke, in the future where he can say what rackets they're offering. You can offer your review. He'll offer his review. It could be a fun little back and forth. I think oh, that's a fun. Cool. Yeah, all right. I'm putting that in the queue. Listeners, be on the lookout for that. I think that would be very fun as well. Um, but yeah, uh, again, all of this content can be found where, Karu? Uh, MyTennisHQ.com is where you know, our articles are, our YouTube channel, MyTennisHQ. It's super easy. Uh, social media, you can check it out. Uh, most of the, you know, our, when we have new articles, new videos, we post things there. We also, you know, 
talks a lot about tennis. So my tennis HQ on on Instagram and my tennis HQ underscore on Twitter. Uh, but yeah, go go check out uh, the our YouTube and and website. It's I think we're we're coming up with some good stuff right now, and we're ramping it up uh, our production. So um, uh, it's been it's been exciting. Hope you guys enjoy it. Yeah, no, I, again, I, I always do. So be sure to go check out our friends at mytennishq.com. Uh, let me throw in a couple of plugs of our own because, again, we appreciate all content makers. That's what we're trying to do, get us all through this quarantine time as professional tennis becomes closer and closer uh, to making its return to uh, sanctioned action, I suppose. Uh, if you've missed any of our podcast topics, obviously, Peru and I talked about the big ones at the start of today's podcast, but you know, I've chatted with Mark Lucero, Ben Rothenberg, and so many others about what's going on on the pro tour you know cracked interviews wise uh today i believe our podcast with usf head coach former all-american himself former grand slam double semi-finalist ashley fisher on the cracked interviews podcast you know ashley at all crew wait sorry uh, you know what? you know ashley fisher at all i don't know ashley fisher wait who's ashley yeah. fisher <laughs> head coach for the USF, well, USF men's team, former Grand oh. Slam doubles semifinalist. Anyways, if you want to learn more about him, you can go listen to the podcast. Uh, it's excellent. You know, we've had so many great guests of late, and uh, obviously, Crew's got a little listening to catch up to. But you can find all of the episodes on there. You can also go check out our Great Shot podcast, our Inside Out podcast, all of our podcasts. Like, rate, subscribe, review. Please share with your friends. Always appreciate hearing back from you guys on uh, you know various mediums. Again. Uh, I have fun reading the notifications. I like being called the Western imperialist. <laughs> Someone accused me of being a Fed fan. They're like, clearly this guy's all in on Roger Federer. And all I could think to myself is like, have you ever listened to the show? Like, evidently you have not, if that's what you think of me. Like, I was like, that's when I was like, oh man, like, I wish you actually listened. Now you're just making all of these criticisms up. You don't actually think I'm a Western imperialist, uh, which that's is again, fine. yeah. So uh, I am living my best life, but of course you can find all of our content but going to the website crackedrackets.com twitter instagram facebook youtube it's at cracked rackets i'm at great shot pod shout out as always to the super producers max Ligger and daniel westa for the fuck of an editing job they do day in day out uh they make our lives way easier uh, obviously it's very fun crew and i can talk all we want but if you want to make it coherent you need producers and that's what they do for us uh so shout out to the two of them i mentioned our support we get from midwest sports shout out also to our friends at Aerobar, making the only tennis-specific energy bar out there. It's a great way to start your day. Hey, great shot to me on that rhyme. Uh, go check out aerobar.com. Use that promo code CRACKED15. Get 15% off. But with all of that said, again, I appreciate you, Karu, taking the time to chat with me today. Uh, any final thoughts before we wrap this one up? No, I think I think that, that's about it, right? Yeah, no, perfect. Just under the hour mark as well. So we'll leave it there for my wonderful co-host today, not guest, co-host, because he wrote, you know, he steered the ship with me, Caruso, our <laughs> super producers, Max Fliegner and Daniel Westoff, our friends at Midwest Sports and Aerobar, and all of us here at both Cracked Rackets, My Tennis HQ, and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Carew, let's see if you remember. What do we tell our listeners? That's the break. There it is, and we will <laughs> see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. Uh, thank you, everyone.